Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and the president of Canacuck Camps, Joe White. Wow. Hello, Shay. <laughs> nice to be with you again. I'm um, glad to be here with you, Coach. Today, we're talking marriage and family, something that both of us are very passionate about. Yep. And the title of our conversation is Keeping a Pulse on Your Blended Family. And uh, I want to very quickly define blended family. We're speaking to families um, that have broken homes and, and families that have come together to, to form a, a new family or as I've heard it say, two families that have collided together. Mm. <laughs> and so we're we're talking to families that um, uh, that have come together potentially as a result of divorce and have come in with kids of different ages and and have come together to form a blended family. It's a big part of uh, our Canacuck family. And so we want to speak to you. And we brought in a, a great friend to help us with the conversation. Um, before that we do that, Joe, I'd love for you to share a little bit of your story. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, you know, boys, uh, <laughs> when I think of a blended family, being a guy, I think of a blender, and I think of a really good smoothie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my sweet daughter, uh, oldest daughter, Jamie, uh, helped us start with, with a blended family when she adopted two adorable children from Rwanda, uh, one at a time. And, and our, our family became a, a multicolored, more beautiful family than we were before, for sure. And then uh, one of my daughters has remarried. And one of my daughters, I just heard, so, uh, is, is uh, hope, uh, thinking, planning, I think, going to remarry. Um, and, you know, boys, when I think of a blend family, uh, Canacook families all, um, and anyone who's listening today, I think every family has got to understand uh, the elements of finding peace in whatever kind of blended family that you have. And Shay, the two things that came to my mind, one with our family, at least great forgiveness. Oh, oh, listen, folks, on every front, husbands, wives, somebody leaves, somebody divorces, somebody comes in, somebody adopts, great forgiveness. And if you don't have that, there's going to be no smoothie, if you know what I'm talking about. It'll be chunky. There'll be no, okay. there'll be no, there'll be no. And the other one is great unconditional lovers. To love men, ladies, to love each individual. Whatever kind of blend is out there, whether it's in-law blend or your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law, your parents, to love each person in the blended family completely unconditionally, just like they are and not try to change, correct, criticize, or condemn anybody. Joe, you blended together the perfect introduction. <laughs> and and it's going to make for a much better Thanksgiving. A much better Thanksgiving. <laughs> Throw sure. it all in there. So uh, let me introduce Ted Cunningham. 
<laughs> He's the founding pastor of Woodland Hills Family Church, an author, speaker. He also headlines the Date Night Comedy Tour. And Ted, two years ago, gave, it, gave this message at Woodland Hills Family Church, keeping a pulse on your blended family. And, and I, too... Um, we have a blended family on both sides of our family. And and um, when he shared this message, it just was so illuminating for me. Um, I think it was super validating for some of my siblings and, and gave them some wisdom into how, how to navigate their blended family. And I just, we had to have you in here, Ted, mm. to talk about it. It's just so important. So tell us about, you know, your passion for the blended family as a pastor. Yeah, so... One, I've heard a lot of word pictures around the blended family and the smoothie was the first one that that has it's the first time I've ever heard that. And it sticks with me because the biggest issue blended families face are expectations, right? They have faulty expectations going in to the blended family and but they're wanting smooth sailing. So the smoothie illustration works perfect. The the expert, in my opinion, the expert on step families is Ron Deal out of Family Life in Arkansas. And he runs the ministry Smart Step Families. And a couple things he said that have always stuck with me. One, God's design for the home is perfect. The homes of God's people, however, have never been, nor do I suspect ever will be perfect. Right. And that's the tension. So that's the tension we have in the church. When we talk about marriage and family and God's design for it and his plan for it, we're faced with the reality as well. And Gary Smalley taught us for years, the gap between what you expect and what you experience. We like to use the term stress, but stress is a socially acceptable term for anger. We're mad. This is what I want, uh, but this is what I'm getting. And so Ron Deal continues. I love what he says. Ministry to the divorced and or remarried walks the delicate line of truth and grace, mm. which is what we do every day in the life of the church. And he says, is often theologically challenging and pastorally messy. And that is true. And I think Kevin Lehman puts it another way, maybe simpler. You can't blend a family. You can only collide one. And so that's the tension we have as we minister to families. But we always come in and, and remind every family. Every family is a family. So start there. You have a family. You're a part of a family. Your family looks different than my family. My family looks different than the family next door, but every family has a story. And really, when we're talking about blended families, we're talking about a blended family telling the story of God's redemptive power, mm -hmm. that God redeems, he heals, he saves. And instead of blended families spending their lives trying to look like a traditional family, they need to spend their lives telling the story of God's redemptive plan. And their story through their family is their daily witness to that. So that's kind of the passion we have for making sure blended families know your family looks different. It's changing. And I know we're going to get into the practicals and all that, but that's how we handle the pastorally messy side of this is mm -hmm. to remind families, not only do you have a story and it's part of God's redemptive plan, but remind every family, we're all part of a bigger family and it's the family of God. So that's that's where the blended family fits into this whole story for me. You know, Shay and Ted, um, as I hear you talking about a blended family, and for real, you know, I'm in a blended family, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I believe marriage is for life. We all do. You know, man and woman together forever. But things happen. Uh, 
death happens. Uh, it's sad that divorce happens. My first wife left me years and years ago for my best friend. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I get divorced and it happens. Uh, but, Ted, um, when you talk about a blended family, you know, we all understand everybody that's listening who can relate to pain. A blended family swims through tears. Mm-hmm. And there's no, you know, beautiful way to, but a blended family can keep their heads above water, swimming through the tears, Teddy, and put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. But how do you keep your head above the water in a puddle of tears? Because mm-hmm. that's in reality what it is. Yeah, I, yeah. So we we would say we talked about this a couple of weeks ago at church, but you know, toxic positivity says avoid pain, deny reality. That's not helpful for anyone. It's not good for your soul. It's not good for your mind. You have to embrace pain. You you have to lean into pain. And the Christian faith and our walk as believers in Christ is that not only are you supposed to embrace pain but I'm supposed to enter into your pain. So that's the church. That's why being part of a bigger family means I, I walk alongside and carry those burdens with you. So uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who coaches athletes and, and executives, and I was just trying to learn how to do coaching better. And I asked him, just to give me some of the tips you have for coaching people in the brokenness, because they usually come to him in a very broken state. And I, I just love what he told me. This was just last week. He said, my job is to surround that person with everything they need in that moment. And for some, that means a therapist and a, and a nutritionist. For others, it's a coach and a, an accountant, a, a counselor. I mean, sometimes the team around the person is four or five deep, but that's what they need in that moment. And, I, and I, as I walked away, I said, that's, that's the church, mm-hmm. right? That's what it means to be the body of Christ, that when you're part of the bigger family, that person that's struggling, and we're all required to carry our own load, according to Galatians, that's clear. But we fulfill the law of Christ when we carry each other's burdens. So all families in the church that are going through pain, not only should they embrace that pain, lean into that pain, learn from that pain, but they need to be open to inviting others uh, to enter into that pain with them and to help and to, to encourage that pain with them. Thank you for that, Ted. Man, that's a awesome. You know, you used um, an acronym to kind of walk through some of these practicals, and I think that's a great heartbeat hmm. to lead into some of these practicals. But you use the acronym Pulse, and I, I just want to hit on the five, and then we'll kind of talk about each one. But but the P is prior prioritize marriage. You unite as parents. The L is let the parent discipline. The S, speak kind words over everyone. And the E, expect bumps and delays along the way. So let's start with the, with the prioritizing of marriages. And this is one of the drums that you beat all it the is. time. I, I get in trouble for this one when I'm invited to do a wedding of someone entering into a blended family. The prioritize marriage piece, because... Oh, this and uh, this. If you get any feedback from this podcast, it'll be this point right here. Good, can't wait. Yeah, I don't. I don't exchange vows between parents and children, but I always get that asked mm-hmm. of me. I can't tell you how many times I get asked, and it. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I hate to have the conversation with them, but I'm like, you're not making a vow with children. Mm-hmm. You're making a vow before God and gathered witnesses with each other. 
And, and, and I'll say, I mean, you can speak to your kids. You can encourage them. We can bring them into the wedding ceremony, but I'm not, I'm not going to exchange vows between stepdad and children or stepmom and children because— Just the, heaping expectations on the kids. Yeah, it's like let them be the children. And, and, and here's the thing, cool thing about traditional and blended families, both of them should have children leaving the home soon and preparing the children to leave the home. This idea that I'm entering into a lifelong covenant with them, that's between husband and wife. And so prioritizing marriage, it's difficult, but still important mm -hmm. in the blended family. And if you can't do that, you need to step back from marriage. You need to step back from walking down the aisle. You have to be able to prioritize marriage in the home. But that's what gets to that third point of let the parent discipline. You still have parenting involved. But when it comes to the standing before God and gathered witnesses and exchanging vows and rings, the priority on marriage, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two become one flesh. We all agree with the same theology around this table. I know you're not entering into a one flesh relationship with your children. You're not. Mm -hmm. You're doing that with your spouse. So that's why prioritize marriage number is, right, one. is number one. And then under that is, and this is common. I don't know anybody in blended family ministry that doesn't teach the second one. United front. That's what the U is. It's just mm -hmm. you're a united front. You're making decisions. And in, in, in newer blended families, it's typically behind closed doors. Like <laughs> you're putting the, the battle plan together. You step out and together... They're not going to work us against each other. This is what we've decided. This is what we're doing. This is what we're standing. It's what, you know, you have your 10 values as a family. I love it. And you have it on a chalkboard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost, that's powerful to have. This is what we've decided. It's on the wall for all to see. This is who we are. Yeah. And mom and dad are 100% together on this right here. You break one of these, you're not going to get mom or dad pitted against each other based off of these. It's, it's being that united front. And you can't be a united front if marriage is not prioritized in the home. Ted, I was with a, a dear family friend recently, um, and the kids are honestly doing well. His kids, her kids, and their kids. Yep. But he's not taking care of her. Mm. And... He doesn't know how to take care of her. Mm. Help the help the wife who's not getting taken care of, please, and help the man who's not taking care of his wife. So most therapists would say, many, I shouldn't say, many therapists would say a lot of that's driven by guilt. I, I develop more of a, of a, I, I go down to the level of sibling or raise my child to the level of spouse because I still am dealing with unresolved guilt from the past relationship or from the breakup or from bad decisions that were made in an earlier marriage. And so a spouse can be neglected or put on the same level as the children. That's why we put prioritize marriage at the front. To me, it's sitting down husband and wife first. I, I Too many blended families want to have family meetings. Family meetings are great. We have family meetings all the time, but it's, they're secondary to marriage meetings. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a marriage meeting first, marriage counseling first, because sometimes people enter into family counseling first. No, marriage counseling first. Mm -hmm. Are we on the same page? Are we committed 
to this relationship? Are we serving one another's needs? Are we caring for one another? Are we taking responsibility for our own heart, but yet serving the spiritual journey of our spouse's heart? That has to be dealt with first. And too many, fa- I get I get the request. You all get the request when you're working with families that can our family come and meet with you? Well, I want to meet with mom and dad first because I'm not going to address a parent-child relationship until we see what the health of the husband-wife relationship. Because remember, Genesis 2.24, that Jesus repeats, that Paul repeats. I mean, so Genesis 2.24 is a central text for marriage and parenting in the scripture. Uh, And with Jesus repeating it, and he says, haven't you read? So we go back to the scripture. But Genesis 2.24 is clear. The bond between a husband and wife is to be stronger than the bond between a parent and a child. Mm -hmm. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother meaning my children are not supposed to leave home as children or adolescents. They're supposed to leave home as adults. It's the job. My job is to send my child out of the home as an adult, not on a journey to become one. And a lot of times that that dad you're talking about will will want to enter into a BFF relationship with his 15-year-old to make up for the past, to fix the past, to let him know, that, you know, she has not replaced you. No, I'm in a different relationship with her than I am with you. So they try to have like the same relationship with everyone, but the home still needs the structure. Mm-hmm. My spiritual journey first, because I can't give you what I don't have. Amy's journey is second, but flipped for her. Her journey is first and my journey that's is second. Wife, right? that, that's my wife. But yeah, you have to have something to give. But too many homes have the child's spiritual journey, number one. But that's not what we read. Deuteronomy 6. Four through seven says what? Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is a God. There's only one God. He is the Lord. He is our Lord. We will love the Lord, verse five. And then verse six says what? This is to be upon my heart first. Before verse seven, that says impress these upon your children. Mm-hmm. It's to be on my heart first. Then I impress it upon the hearts of my children. In the blended family, we can elevate the child's spiritual journey to number one. And we need to understand, no, it's my journey. Then it's my journey with my spouse. And then my journey, our marriage, you know, that's reflecting the gospel of Jesus is now on display for this child. And so that, that to me is the, the priority. You prioritize marriage, you unite as a couple, you unite as parents. And then that gets to the next one of letting the parent discipline. Whatever we decide as a couple, we come out. And I'll discipline my children. She'll discipline her children. We will discipline our children if they're, you know, hers, his, and ours. Uh, but it's got to be in that order. It, it can't be flipped. When you get outside of that order, it's when the home gets all, mm-hmm. all, fr- all sorts of frustrating. I th- that clarity is invaluable. And at the same time, I can see the tension, oh. you know, with just the heart of a brokenhearted child. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, emotions that a kid is processing through. What are some of the things, you know, entering into a, um, a marriage, so some of the concerns or the things that you'd be attentive to with that child? Like how do you prepare that, that child's heart for, for having a stepdad or a stepmom? Yeah. So I would, I, for anyone listening right now, that's in between or that recently came out of a divorce. Um, I'll just be frank. I'm dealing with, it's it's the majority of the time in the church when I'm helping a couple trying to reconcile their marriage, one or both already has a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They're already dating somebody. Mm-hmm. 
And and I this is just from experience and observation, but I can tell you that that child needs time to heal. That child needs time to process through it. To go out of one home and into another one in terms of weeks or months, you have to give it time. So, you know, I'm a big advocate for young marriage, but a lot of times people hear me advocate for young marriage and they think I'm encouraging people to rush marriage. I'm not encouraging people to rush marriage. I'm just trying to help them not be afraid of it. But there's always the time. I mean, right now, today, this week, working with spouses in the church who are going through divorces, um, you know, there there is no rush to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. There is no rush to give. You can take that time to invest in your children, to pour into your children, to let your children heal. We can never forget that that divorce is like a death. And so you have to go through the grief cycle. Mm -hmm. And and when you're in a family with children, what's the best way to mourn with someone who's mourning or someone who's going through grief? I just, I shared this with a pastor friend last week who's not doing too well with, with his wife's grief. I just said, you have to stop inviting her into your stage of grief and you need to go be with her in hers. Right. Everybody so, has their own journey. Yeah. And that's the same thing. If you have two or three kids or four kids, they're all going to be in and out of different stages of grief through this. And to act like there's just one stage that we all are going to be in at once there again is where the expectations lie. You have to be able to enter into that child's stage of grief without saying you had enough time with the shock and denial. It's time to move on to anger or it's time to move on to the new normal. No, you have to let each person process it. And so not rushing into relationships is so important for the parent. Uh, and then if if there is romance or budding love in the future, involve your children in that conversation. A lot of times people hide it and they think it's going to be better if we just develop this relationship and then spring it on the kids. No, <laughs> it is it is better to bring the children along in the process. And then we're obviously talking, there's a big difference between discussing this with a five-year-old and a 15-year-old, sure. but uh, encouraging them along the way and having the conversation. I, I also deal with couples who, um, you know, a parent will wait to get permission from all of their children before they get married. Huh, and, and that's a tough one because that's putting way too big of a burden on your children. You, you don't need to be asking a six or a seven year old if, if they're okay with mommy remarrying. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that is in no way, shape or form an emotional burden that a child should carry. I mean, again, I would just say, and you hear it, we use this term at our church a lot, right? Be the parent, mm -hmm. you know, you're still the adult in the relationship and in the bring them into the conversation. But like Ryan Pinnell says, our emotions are like our children. We listen to them, we care for them, but we do not allow them to make major decisions for our family. That's right. And that's true in the blended family as well. Mm -hmm. Joe, what, what advice do you have for, you know, those husbands and wives that are coming together and maintaining that proper priority? Well, what Tatey is saying is paramount. Um, if husband and wife are not healthy and happy, it's really hard to fake out the children. Mm, yeah. And, oh, man, you know, Shay's a man's man, Ted's a man's man, I'm a man's man. But the tenderness of a man towards a woman and, ladies, the tenderness of a woman towards a man to all men out there, don't wait for your wife to, to change or to perform to serve her. 
boys do you hear me in the weight room on the hunting range out there being making money don't wait for your wife to change or perform to serve her come down off the high horse put the cross on your shoulder and serve your wife blend it or not Find out ways to listen to that dear lady. Find out ways to meet her needs. Find out ways to listen to her heart better when you come home. Find out ways just to be tender with her and understand her when she's not being tender with you. Give her time. Give it room. And ladies, if I've heard of one divorce, I've heard of a thousand where the wife for some reason, turns her back on the intimacy factor with her husband. She's waiting for him to change. She's waiting for him to perform. She's waiting for him to become the person she wants him to be before she gives tenderness and intimacy to the man. The man gets a cold heart, and the man moves into pornography, and the man moves into relationships with other women. Same, same answer to the ladies as to the man Serve your husband. When you get married to a guy, bless your heart, because <laughs> we're all crazy. When you when you give your marriage to a guy, that's what you do. You serve your husband. You you give your husband intimacy and care and love. And if both people, I'm thinking of my buddy Gary Smalley that Ted talked about. If both individuals will give their Wives, their husbands, unconditional love, care, serving. Then you have a hundred hundred relationship. And let me tell you, folks, when it's a hundred hundred, not fifty fifty, when it's a hundred hundred, your kids, your blended kids, your own kids, their kids, their kids, they look up and they see the strongest bond imaginable. And and husbands and wives, first married, second married, that makes a child want to marry well. That makes your children want to date well, makes your children want to love well. And if you get that for your children and you miss everything else, then as Teddy said, your children can leave home as healthy adults that know how to love. Mm, There's a sermon. That was a sermon. sermon. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. That was very good, Joe. Okay, so mm. let's shift into the. That's hard you know, to shift. Just I right know, out of that. I know. Shay, we'll we'll shift back to the kids, <laughs> and I and I think, you know, both of you guys have some some wisdom to offer. But, you know, I just, you know, we work with kids all summer long who are coming in with broken hearts. You know, their hearts are as shattered as, um, you know, the husbands and wives whose marriages are are falling mm-hmm. apart and. And as you talked about before, Ted, there are different phases of grief that they're going to walk through. Speak to the parents that want to bring their kids along in a healthy way Mm -hmm. to enter in a blended family. What are some of the things that that they can do to help their kids along? Yeah. So the conversation needs to be open at all times and expectations are everything. So there's this, uh, Ron Deal talks about it. There's this um, idea with, you know, it's anybody going into a new marriage, you got that honeymoon stage. Well, for when you bring a family into that, you know, there's this idea of immediate cohesion. 
just it just everybody's gonna get along and it's just gonna be great it's gonna feel like a honeymoon and once that goes away in the first week which it will you have to have regular conversations again listening to understanding validating empathizing with your kids empathy the best definition i know for empathy is you're hurting and that matters to me Hmm. so the best thing mom and dad can do is they're bringing in now new brothers and sisters for the first time is uh and, and we put it there that's the s speak kind words over everyone it's hard to teach siblings to speak kind words to one another when you're bashing your ex-husband, mm-hmm. when you're bashing your ex-wife. So you have to model this first and foremost. And again, Joe said it, children are instant lie detectors. For you to say one thing and feel one thing, but then when there's the drop-off next weekend at dad's or at mom's house, there's this just tension and angry words spoken Uh, it's really hard to have a family meeting the next week where you're trying to break up a fight in the home when that tension exists. So mom and dad goes back to what Joe was saying. It starts with you, your hearts work through this. When you blow it with an ex-husband or an ex-spouse, apologize, repent, repent in front of your children. I mean, explain that to them so that you now have the credibility to break up a sibling fight and say, Mm -hmm. this is not how we treat one another. And that's what I love about honor. Honor applies to traditional blended family. I mean, it's, it's the same. It's speaking words of high value over each member of the family, those who are present and those who are not. One of the best things you can have in a blended home is to simply say, I have a little plaque in my office that says it applies as a pastor, but it's simply those who are absent are protected here, mm-hmm. meaning whichever sibling is not here right now because they're visiting their dad's or their mom's house, uh, whatever spouse is not here because they're remarried in another, they are protected here. This is not a place to bash. If we have to have a conversation, we'll all have that together. You have a lot of relationships. And I, I feel the tension most at weddings when you have three or four or five sets of parents you know, gathering around the couple, um, you know, just openness, honesty, clarity, honor, uh, entering into their stage of grief without inviting them into yours, uh, walking alongside and allowing the conversation to be had. But all of these little one-off conversations, the more you can gather around a table and share them together and be open, we're protecting those people who are not here and we're not going to be bashing your dad. We're not going to be bashing your mom who's not here. And honestly, you know, when you're around families that do that well, that honor everybody, mm. it is, it's inspiring. It's something to watch. Greatest word, honor. Uh, back to our friend Gary Smalley, you know, probably the best marriage uh, counselor, instructor that Teddy and I have ever known personally. Um, he He probably says honor, you know, 25 times yeah. in every marriage, yeah. you know, that he would give. Uh, Teddy, talk about, you know, kind of the heart of how you, how do you honor everyone who is part of the family and everyone who's now absent from the family? Yeah, so honor gets its root in the Imago Dei, the image of God and man. Every person is personally autographed by God. They have automatic intrinsic value. Um, married, remarried, divorced, single, I mean, whatever the case, everybody bears the image of God. Through creation, you are an image bearer. It's through salvation that you become a child of God. But every human being is an image bearer. I've 
uh, talk about a time in our culture where we're dealing with the politics, we're dealing with the pandemic, we're dealing with uh, racial tensions. Um, I remind the church every time someone comes at me for, I can't believe you did a message on this. Listen, if we're talking about sexuality, marriage, racism, abortion, immigration, I, I told the church this summer when I spoke on racism, it's all the same outline. It's the exact same outline, and it starts with Genesis 127, created in the image of God. So the Imago Dei fits and should start every one of those messages. The Imago Dei is the image of God in marriage, the image of God in man with racism and with abortion, whether in the womb or out of the womb, it's the image of God in man. And so Gary would Gary took the image of God and would say, so that means you're personally autographed by God. We look at each person as personally autographed by God. And we should wake up every day listing all the reasons why your stepmom, your stepdad, your stepbrother, your stepsister is highly valuable. List it out, write it down on a piece of paper, um, and and uh, remind yourself of it each and every day. Because when you make decisions, you spend your day looking for the evidence to back it up. So, uh, boy, do we have Gary's outline memorized or yeah. what? We <laughs> yeah. He has left a great imprint. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. yeah. Man. It, it keeps going. But So a family. So we do, I think all of us do it around this table. This is something Gary taught us, the honor bombardment. If there's one practical thing a, a, a step family can do is, and we do this at staff meeting. Probably every other staff meeting, I get a little cup and I just take a piece of paper and I write everybody's name down that's on it and I tear it off and I crumple it up and throw it in there and we shake it up. We draw just one name out. This is all, I mean, because, I mean, you'd spend hours if you did this for every, but every, so everybody's sitting there nervous and I pull a name out and I say, okay, today it is Stephanie Watson. She gets the honor bombardment and we just go around the room as many times as possible, speaking words of high value over Stephanie. I've, I, it was funny when we drew, she was the last name we drew. Andy started crying before we said one word, her husband. She's emotional. This is what honor does. We haven't even said wow. a word. We haven't even spoken one word of high value over these people. And the thought of people getting ready to spend the next 10 to 15 minutes speaking words of high value over her. I, I, I can get my mom to cry at the drop of a hat with an honor bombardment. And But can you imagine if you're having tension in your home right now, if tonight at dinner you sat down with a cup, wrote everybody's name. Don't, don't do it for everybody tonight. Save it, spread this out, make it draw one name and keep going around the table at dinner as many times as possible, bombarding that person with words of high value. That is a great, great takeaway. Love it. Um, Ted, I want to ask you to, to touch on your, your kind of your last point. And then Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you for kind of mm -hmm. a closing encouragement, mm -hmm. but your last point, Ted, is expect bumps and delays along the way. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's that automatic cohesion, that immediate cohesion that people think that they're going to have when they get married. You cannot have the expectation in a blended family that you're a traditional family. You are a family. Your family has a story. Your story is one of God's redemptive work in man. And lean into that. Stop trying to be something you're not. Stop expecting this um, you know, 12 year old boy to become best friends with the 13 year old daughter. And they've been together under the same roof for a month. Mm -hmm. You just, you can't have that expectation. All of us, you know, take, it takes time to build relationships and you can't force them. 
You can't force the siblings to become, even within traditional families, you, you have some kids that get along better than others and you just have sure. that. So just just remove that expectation that, that everybody's going to be best friends immediately. Second thing is reach out for help. Uh, I love how Ron Deal, he uses the picture of Jesus with the woman at the well. And, and I, we don't have time to go into the story, but he has this great line. He says, the church needs to get better when it comes to blended families of sitting by wells and offering cups of redemptive water. Oh, hmm. I love that. So we need our churches to be aware of this and understanding so that we can offer those cups of redemptive water. But you need to lean into the church. You need, don't be afraid of counseling or coaching. It's not, it's not gonna, you know, stigmatize you. You need to, you need to get the help because you're going through something that is very challenging, uh, can take a lot of work, but the payoff's huge. You can have a great blended and extended family in the years to come. That's right. And that's why there's value in this conversation for everybody. Yeah. Because we can all play a part. Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you for the final word. <laughs> He's well, taking notes over there, so yeah, he had something to say. Uh, yeah, for real. <laughs> I've always taken notes when Teddy talks, and that, that and that's, you know, I, he's just one of the wisest men I've ever met. But, yeah, Ted, uh, Ted and Shay, I was just, you know, thinking that that the, the saddest word in the English language is homeless. Mm, yeah. Homeless to God, of course, is is the saddest of all, but homeless to a family is it, it breaks my heart. And there's so many people who live in families who are homeless because they don't understand. And if you're listening, they don't understand um, that of the top two words in the English language, of course, Jesus is number one. And family's number two. You know, when I'm in the hospital, uh, and unfortunately, I've, I've been there a lot lately. Uh, you know, and I've, I've, you know, I'm blessed. I've worked with thousands of people, and you know, friends all over. But, but the only people I want to come see me are, are my family. Mm. I want, I want my wife to come see me. I want my children to come see me, and I want my grandchildren to come see me. And, and I don't really honestly care, you know, if anybody else comes by. The pain sometimes. <laughs> I'm writing a note on that right now. Yeah, please, please don't. <laughs> but, uh, but when the going gets rough, that's when the family, you know, really, really matters, Shay. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, make your family your best priority. Mm. Thank you for that word, Joe. And Ted, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, for having me. And thank you to our listeners for sharing your time with us today. We hope that today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to marriage and family. With that, I'd love to pray over you and yours. Father, we come to you today and we just pray blessings over families. We pray, God, that, that their story would be one of redemption, that um, Jesus would find his way as the, the foundation of their home, that they would stand upon it, prioritizing marriage, and um, that with your grace and wisdom and direction and with the help of others, that they would be strengthened as a family and that they would um, develop a godly heritage that goes for generations to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. Thank you.